Welcome to another episode of Intuition First Podcast with your hosts, Heather McKay and Christine Mira. We're here to connect you to your intuition and the gifts of the universe to get more out of your life and your business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Intuition First. I am your co-host, Heather McKay. Hi, and I'm Christine Mira. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that might, seems, it seems very relevant right now with everything we've been through with the pandemic, but um, we both, Christine and I have both experienced it in our lives and um, felt like it was important to really address this topic of grief and how it can completely change you and how you can deal with it in your life. So Christine, I'll let you start us off. Yeah, you know, if you want to tell your story, not so much my story, but uh, and I can get into that later. But I want to talk about the, the topic of grief. Um, you know, like somebody in our life either leaves us physically or dies, and so many people are having that experience with you know close to 700,000 people gone in you know the last 20 something odd months. So I've been reading a lot on Facebook for young families that have lost their spouses and they're left with really young children. And it just, it breaks my heart because their hearts are broken and they just, they're not knowing what to do and they don't know what's okay and what's not okay. And questions about, you know, benefits, social security benefits and, you know, um, how to, how to, you know, take care of their, their kids and, their work, they still have to go back to work. And now they only put one parent down. And it just seemed really pressing to me because um, one of my very good friends lost her brother um, to COVID as he had an underlying issue and caught COVID and then just never really recovered very well and passed, just gone. You know, I think it was a heart attack. I haven't gotten all the details yet, but I know what um, Roddy meant to his family, his sister, who's my friend and his mom, and he left behind three young kids. That's so sad. It's incredible. I can't believe that we've lost that many people. Just losing anybody in general to anything is very, very difficult, but I can't believe that we've lost... I just heard today that we've lost more in 2021 than we did in 2020. We've just yeah, surpassed I, that number, which just I, amazes I, me. It's crazy. I'm thinking that I thought we had lost a half a million people by the end of last year. I think that's what I thought too. I, I, that's not what they reported. So, you know, I didn't go look that up anywhere else, but that was what the the news program I was watching was reporting. So that means we've lost 400,000 people? 350, it's like 352,000 last year and 353,000, it's just barely over oh, this wow. year. Okay. Um, which I just had no idea. But I, I also heard that for every, for every person that dies, um, that there's approximately nine people who are in their circles who grieve them. And obviously some more, some less, but nine people are grieving for this person when someone passes away. Yep. And that, 
point, when you multiply million. that 6.3 million yeah when you multiply that it's just those numbers are just astronomical it's a lot of sadness in the world well i think you know death was one of those things that in modern history since the vietnam war we as a generation had not had an experience around like we we were sort of not immune but um protected because we had people that knew how to manage a major health issue or um you know we knew things that were coming on we could ward it off that's what that playbook was about that never got used in the the beginning right so 6.3 million people are affected by the loss of someone and the level of grief so here's the thing about grief and here's the stuff that people don't know about when people die in your life. You've never had someone that you love deeply die in your life. Um, there's this idea that the person that lost their beloved is going to come back. They're going to be just like they were before they died. Everything's going to be okay. All they need is some time. And the reality of that is that's hockey puck because you don't. When you lose somebody beloved, whether that be your spouse, it be a child, it be a parent, it be a sibling, that person made the fabric of your soul. Like they made you up. They loved you. They filled you. They they gave you life and inspiration. You gave them life. You know, like there's this a, a deep heart connection that that person has now vacated, and in your soul you feel a hole, literally, that the, the, the separation of them leaving to another plane, virtually, like, you feel like you're a ball, like, um, your fingers are intertwined, and, and that's the energy of you walking on the planet together, being loving, having love, and then they're gone, and it pulls away, and so all you have left are the, the raw nerve endings, the energetic um, absence, and and that's part of the aching. It's part of the part of you that has to sort of figure out how to make yourself whole again. But it's never the same, never the same. No. And just because someone has time, like I, my husband died when I was um, 42. And I had people who were like, you know, at year one, there was a lot of um, tolerance or, you know, not, I don't even know if that's the right word. I, compassion you know like oh okay you died. And then year two it's like oh what are you going to do with your life you know right what you, you know are you going back to work uh, what are you gonna do with the kids like there's all these hard life questions like there, there wasn't a space just to be like wow I'm still hurt I'm still grieving I'm still and I didn't actually feel like I was I had a new sense of normal until it was five years so you know that's like each season of your life in five years. At five years, I felt like I was standing upright, that I had a new sense of normal and that I could go about the cabin and not feel like I was gonna break down in tears or missing him so much that, you know, my heart just was bruised. I mean, he literally, when he died, I, you know, I, know, I don't wish that upon anyone. I, I now know why older people are challenged when their spouses leave because you really, you really do feel broken. Your heart's broken. Your soul's broken. You're like the level of pain that I felt was so deep 
And the interesting thing, or what I found was when people would come to console me, they had all their own unresolved issues around grief and death, that they would pour all their stuff onto me about their experiences of grief, grief and death. And um, while some people might get like super upset, oh my gosh, you know, that person doesn't understand why are they doing that? I just looked at it as God using me as a, a channel of healing for them because I never got to speak about it and I never got to process it. So it literally lived inside of them until they had a chance to talk to someone who got it. Yeah, I, I understand that as well because, and I think people don't know what to say. Um, but if it is, it could be a different relationship, maybe not a spouse, but it's still a loss that if someone has experienced it and it's different, the type of loss is different. Um, but if you've experienced it, you get it in a way that others can't, they just can't, no matter how much compassion they have, no matter how much they try, they cannot understand it. And even a person who's who's not lost a spouse talking to someone who has lost a spouse it's not the same loss it's a different loss it is you know <clears throat> so um well it's like you know someone losing a child like i can't understand what that's like because i haven't lost a child but right. the commonality of someone that i love deeply that moved exactly. my soul that you know lightened me up that that, you know, imbued my life with so many incredible gifts, whether that be a friend, a parent, your child, you know, a sibling. From that sense of loss, we all get it. Right. Versus somebody who has never had that experience. And, and inside of that, what I want to say about those people who have never had that experience, totally awkward. You don't know what to yes, say. You, you don't. don't know how to step in to support someone. I think what you, what you can do is just say, you, you know, one of those things is how can I support you? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what can I do to make this burden a little lighter? Don't please don't offer your help or food or whatever all that is, because when the newness of that death is gone and you're saying, Oh, if you need anything, you know, the person that's grieving can barely stand up <laughs> They're right. They're like, they're sort of, if, if I was to exaggerate, you know, they're sort of swooning in their space, just trying to be able to stand and not fall down. So when you say, what can I do for, you know, do for you, or I'm here for you, reach out. It's like that person can't even process that. Right. And, and they, they sure don't know how to reach out. Yeah. And if they do ask you for help, please show up. Like if you're going to say it, mean it, because it's so hard for people that are left behind to ask for help because everybody's wanting them to be normal and, right. and they're and trying they're to figure out how to be normal, but they can't be normal because nothing's normal because the wound is so big. Right. And they're, they're forever changed. Just like you said earlier, they're forever changed. They won't ever be the same person ever again. Right. And I think it's hard for people, like you said, to accept that. And it is so hard to ask for help. You, you don't know what you need. If you're the one grieving, you have right. no idea. You can barely function. So I had, a, I had a friend uh, when my kids were little, she lost her twin brother. They were fraternal twins. And we had a mutual friend and the mutual friend said to me, well, isn't she over it yet? I mean, gosh, it's been like three months. 
And I remember thinking, um, first of all, there is really no timeline, even though people would like to put you on one and understand that they, they're putting you on one because they're uncomfortable right. with the conversation of death. So someone's saying, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? You need to do this and do that. And da, 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 you know, all that should have, must, coulds, woulds. Um, just know that that's them being uncomfortable in their own skin around the conversation of death. So if anyone's trying to put you on a timeline, just remember your timeline is your timeline and you're going to grieve how you're going to grieve and you're going to get through it as you get through it. And there is no right or wrong. There just is the process of being. Right. Yeah. And, so, And that's going to, that's, it's going to stay with you. It may not be as raw. The rawness may subside over time, depending on the person. Mm-hmm but it's, it still can come out of nowhere. Um, I lost my mother when I was 16 years old to a car accident. So it was very much a shock. Um, and I had a lot of family around and all of that, but I think for me, you know, I just tried to get through it. I just tried to push through the day to, you know, I I had to move, I had to like move my living situation and all of those things. So it was very hard and, but I really think that my way of dealing with it was just compartmentalizing and mo- and moving on. I wasn't in charge of any kids, you know, there wasn't, I mean, I have, I have sisters, younger sisters, but they were with their dad. And so it was just me pretty much pushing, just pushing through and, but the grief follows you along, you know, there's not, you know, I had my wedding. I didn't have my mom there. I had, you know, I've had countless Mother's Day, um, birthday, you know, her birthday, things like that, holidays. That's the kind of stuff that, that gets to me sometimes. Mother's Day is really weird. It was also really strange when, because she died when she was 38 years old. Well, when I turned 38 and 39, that was really strange, like to outlive, um, what your parent, you know, achieved in their life. And she was about to start her own business. Like there are all these things going on and, you know, you start to reassess when you're the same age as them or past them or whatever. And it's it's a very odd feeling. My sister went through the same thing. Hard to describe, but the, you know, so be sensitive. I would say to other people, be sensitive on those days. If you know, somebody lost somebody, you know, People don't know when the, when the wave is going to hit them. It just does sometimes. Yeah. It's been um, 15 years, almost 15 years that he's been gone. And, you know, there are times of the year, like, you know, uh, holidays, Thanksgiving, and that's when he got sick was on Thanksgiving. Those days can be hard for me. They can be really challenging. I think at one point I just accepted, I would lose a couple of weeks out of the holiday season where I would just literally try and hibernate because the the pain of it was great. And it wasn't that I hadn't processed the grief or that I hadn't spoken about it or emoted it, but it was just the time of year and, you know, things were triggering me. Right. Um, I'm better now. Like uh, I think it was last year and the, yeah, 2020, 2019, like it didn't affect me as badly, but I, I would literally watch Hallmark, <laughs> Hallmark movies from Thanksgiving right. to Christmas just so I could get through it. Right. right. Um, we are never the same when someone right. dies. 
And I, I guess what I want to say to people who've lost someone is that, especially recently, is that you're never supposed to be the same. Exactly. You know, this is one of those journeys that you get that your spirit gets to handle, manage, um, come back from. And, and it's not to do and be the same way you were before. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pause of having the ability to say, wow, something really hit me deeply, spiritually, that shook me to my core. And what are you going to do with it? What are you going to make, make of it? And how resilient are you going to be or not be? Like, there is no right way for you to show up other than, and I really invite you to feel and emote it. In the time right. that it comes up, don't try and push it down. Don't try to ignore it. Don't run. Don't don't suppress it with you know drinking or eating or shopping or you know working out too much or having a lot of sex or you know like those are the things that we do to distract ourselves from really feeling things deeply. I think the greatest gift I got was to learn to sit in my grief. So literally, I would be cruising along and this wave of grief would hit me. I'd literally sit down in the spot that it was happening and I, I'd just sit and cry. If that was just a few minutes or that was a half hour or if it was an hour, whatever I needed to do, I would just let the grief over, over power me and I would cry. And then I, you know, wipe my tears off and I'd take some deep breaths and then I stand up and I start walking forward. Um, I think that for me was one of the greatest gifts. And, and um, I had a friend who lost her husband and she called me one time and she said, what do you do? You know, how do you, and I told her that I said, just sit, just be, and just emote it. And she wrote me a note um, not very long ago. And she said, you know, that one piece of advice saved me because every time I felt grief over him, I would, I would literally just sit and cry and I would just be still. And I, I think um, that's a great way to learn how to process and manage that. So it doesn't affect you, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Because if you never process your grief, it, it'll, it'll eat you up at some point. Right. It comes out in other ways. And, I, yeah. and it, would, it, it would have been nice as a, as a teenager for, for somebody to have told me that, but they didn't, they didn't know what to do. You know, all they knew was, oh, well, you got to live somewhere and you got to go to school and you got to go through your day and you got to, you know, move on basically. And, but nobody really talked to me about it being okay, you know, to be sad or whatever. Right. And my that was boy, hard. But I think my boys taught, had taught me that, that, um, when I, when I first lost my husband, we were really, a very tight family and he was my one of my best friends and or I should say he was my best friend and I would literally start crying and both my kids they were small they were 10 and 8 they would come to wherever I was and they put me in a group hug and they would just hold on to me and they'd say it's okay mommy it's okay it's okay and I would cry until I couldn't cry anymore and then as time went on they're like okay she's crying again <laughs> she's crying again okay and then they're like they'd come in and look at me, mom, are you okay? This is, you know, many months later, or mom, are you, are you okay? Yeah. Okay. We're just going to let you cry. And they, so yeah, that's how they helped me cope. And then 
Oh yeah, that was the other thing. There's this young gentleman on Facebook who's who lost his wife. She's 28. He's 32, and he had three kids. And you know, he's asking how many. How am I going to do this? And I, and I said, it's good that your kids see you grieve, because that allows them to grieve and to be sad. And so, the reason I told that story about my boys is because when they would be really sad they could cry like they would just be doing whatever and they would miss their dad and they would just start weeping tears and you know and I'd say do you need a hug you know what what do you need from me and then they'd say sometimes they need a hug and then other times they'd say no I just need to cry but you Mm -hmm. modeling that for your kids when you've lost somebody dear is it's a great example because they know it's safe they don't have to stuff their own feelings away because they don't want to burden you. They know like, oh, mom did it. It's okay. I'm going to do it too. And so I think right. that as a family, I think that's why we healed um, in the way that we did. So at, I think at the mark of year one, emotionally, we were more, we were a little bit more stable, but you know, I mean, it took a long, long time to fill that hole of him being gone. Right. Right. That's really good that you all had awareness like that, that you could do that, that you felt free to do that, that you didn't have outside pressures to, to not express your feelings, you know, or I don't know here in, here in the South, you know, people bring a casserole and you know, that's what they do. And they, you have like 19 casseroles and yeah, we have so some- you, <laughs> you bury, you, you tend to well, either you don't eat anything or you eat over, you eat too much. And once the casseroles are gone, you know, there's that whole time period with everybody's around you. And then there's the time period after everybody leaves and whenever everybody leaves and you're on your own again, it's a, it's a strange period of time, which is really when you need your close friends and people to, to just sit with you, to invite you to coffee to well you know, to just be with you it's interesting because the people that you saw were your really close friends are super un- a lot of times they're super uncomfortable and people That's true. that you didn't consider to be your friends showed up for you in a way that was delightfully compassionate um right. and so the people that I thought were my friends um they a, a handful a few showed up and then and then um people I didn't think they were there. They were helping me with my kids. They were, you know, anything that I needed. They were, and people I had, you know, I had relationships with, but it it wasn't like it was deeply, you know, a deep knit friendship. Um, I had uh, one friend who I played tennis with and um, she didn't know that my husband was dying. And for whatever reason, I called her and she had lost her dad, you know, like maybe two years before. So she would, she went and took the newspaper and read the newspaper to Bruce mm. while, while he was dying. She would read the newspaper to him. Like, who would have thought? I just would have never thought of doing something right. like that. But that she did that with her dad and it really gave him a lot of comfort. And she did that for my husband. Yeah. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing too is ask for help, you know, like 
It's not, it, it, you don't have to do it by yourself. Uh, you'll know the people that you can ask for help with, especially if you have kids, it's really hard to function. It's really hard to get that schedule back together. They still need to have their lives, but you need time to do whatever you have to do. So if you have family or really good friends or a neighbor or whatever it is, just build a support network around you while you pull your life back together because it's been shattered into thousands of pieces and you're really not expected to have everything together. Right. You know, and I'm not permission to like know that because there is no right or wrong. They're just, there's no. just a co their level of coping and responding and being resilient and um, to put on the facade, like I got it all together. Everything's fine. You know, like, yeah. The only person you're hurting is yourself. Right. Right. Let let people help you. Yeah. That can. And, and and if there's nobody ask, like you might have people in church or you know, right. you might belong to a yoga class or you know, your kids play date groups, whatever, whatever that looks like for you, don't feel like you have to go it alone. Right. I think there that's um an old way of thinking in the world. Like it's like having your own business on your own. You're supposed to do everything on your own. And in actuality, you need relationships. You need that, you need this energetic um, exchange from you to them and them to you. Right, a sense of community within whatever, you know, this thing that you're going through, this terrible thing that you're going through. And, and some people, some people are just waiting they don't know what to do. So they, they may be waiting to reach out. They would, they would love to reach out, but they don't know how, they don't know how. They don't know how to ask it or say it. They don't know how to ask because they feel so awkward. And, um, but, but really if you just extend yourself to them a little bit, they and, are and likely those, to just take you in and, and those people you. who you're waiting and you want to do something some and you're waiting for the person that lost their beloved to say i need you to do this and do that sometimes they just can't even function like that part of their being is not working it's not operating so like you know doing a load of laundry or you know going to grocery shopping to get the basic essentials or you know picking their kids up from you know to go to school or um yeah, I'm not, I'm trying to not think of the casserole thing, you know, like yeah. outside of food, but you know, like do things that, you know, have to happen, right? right. La laundry has to get done. Uh, beds need to be made, you know, um, right. cleaning, just clean the bathroom. Oh yeah. People, you know, th things like that. And, you know, you can take initiative and I bet, you know, the person's not going to refuse you if you just say, I'm going to take care of a few things around here, you know? And I had two, two friends. One was a friend. One was somebody in the community. They both um, gave me three months of house cleaning. So oh, I had someone coming nice. in every two weeks and boy, that was just like such a godsend because things got out of control. You know, I had two right. boys um, who wanted to cook, who wanted to do dishes, but yeah. Mary and her friend sent people over and it was like, awesome. Just stuff like that. Services that have to be bought, get gas, you know, whatever things right. just to hold the structure together so right. they don't have to think about it. And 
especially for people who might not have been the leader in their family in that way. Like if he or she was the leader in domestic God and goddesses of their, of their homes, the person left behind really needs a hand. Yeah, they really do. So don't be afraid to reach out and offer and do. Sometimes you just do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's okay for, for the person grieving. I, I'm glad that, um, Christine, you said to sit in the grief, let it wash over you, let it come out, let those emotions come out because that's what needs to happen. They need to come out or else they'll stay in and come out in other ways. And so you have permission to do that. And the other people who want to help, you have permission to help and be there. Well, and I think everybody's, a lot of times everybody's trying to be considerate and wait for somebody to lead or, you know, and yes. And the person that's most of the time, I should say the person that is the bereaved, you know, like they can't, I remember, like I can barely remember what it was like after he died. I remember things being very muddled and confused and garbled because I was so grief stricken. And I really don't think I had any kind of normalcy until it was like three or four years later. Like I had gone through all of of the seasons and situations that had come up and I was still raising two young boys. So, you know, I had to make sure that their daily lives were taken care of. But for me, Christine, standing on my own two feet upright without swaying, it probably took me four or five years. And I think about another thing that comes with losing someone is, especially if it's a spouse, is the business of death. The There's the funeral, there's the obituary, there's the burial, there's choosing the, you know, the things at a funeral home or a cremation or whatever you're doing or a memorial service. There's the service itself. There's all these, you have to plan this event while you're going through this horrible, horrible time. And then there's the will or lack of will. There's the estate and court and all, and, you know, all of this other business, you know, that goes along with death that has to be dealt with eventually and some of it immediately and some of, you know, and healthcare costs and, uh, you know, if there was a health problem and all, all of these things come together and it just, I think it feels to people like it's going to swallow them because it's well, it so is much. because there's this push from right. society that says, okay, he, he or she died. Okay. Well, and, right. and you have this and this and this and this and this. And here's what I say to that. You get to manage and create the schedule that you need for you to survive inside of it. Right. Like for me, for him dying, like I just blew off all societal expectations of me and just did what I needed to do to take care of my kids and myself and anything other than that outside of that conversation if it wasn't supporting me if it wasn't growing me if it wasn't sustaining me it didn't get much of my attention because I could barely function throughout my day right I mean with him dying it was like it was such a shock because he was the rock of our family and you know like and I I'm highly capable in all those things yet you know I felt like I was underwater 
and all I was hearing was, you know, like in the Charlie Brown uh, cartoons when the, the adults speaking the teacher. Wah, 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 wah. like that's all I can remember wah, wah, and I would look and huh you know yeah and I but I just tried and and kept myself going and and then when we had a service my kids and I wanted to wear white because that was the ascension to spirit and uh, my cousin said oh you know you can't wear white you have to wear black like that's not traditional. And so I told my kids, well, Auntie Tracy said, you know, we have to wear black. Well, in the old days you wore black because they became a part of the earth. That was, you know, that's what death represented was that kind of condensed sort of um, dark feeling that, that, you know, you're getting left behind and you have to deal with that. We, so that's how we sit. And my, my youngest son was eight at the time. And he's like, well, mommy, Auntie Tracy can wear black, but I'm wearing white because daddy's with God. And so the three of us wore white. And I told everybody at the service why we were wearing white. And, you know, that was really a breakthrough moment um, when your youngest child understands. Oh, absolutely. I think that's beautiful. I never, I never had really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, we were white because he was with God and he had ascended. So makes sense. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. Now that now that you say that. Yeah. And yeah, we were we were sad, but you know, the one thing that we knew about my husband was literally I think he had decided I'm done with this earthly life because he had accomplished everything he wanted. He had had the experiences he wanted and you know, he seemed in the last part of his life, he seemed sort of bored. Like there was nothing that was really exciting him. And then he came down with getting sick. We were building a house um, and he had finished the house. And so it was like, okay, I've done it now. You know, so we miss him still. Of course, of course. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's watching over all of you. Smiling yeah. and watching as all of the kids have grown and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so. there's definitely, I would definitely feel like I have a guardian, guardian angel at times. Yes, me too, for sure. So, um, yeah, if you have any questions or you need any support around this, please don't hesitate to let us know if there's anything I or Heather can, can do to, to support you in your journey. We'd love to hear from you. Definitely. You can uh, tag us on Instagram at intuition first or email us uh, intuition first at Gmail. And we would love to support you however we can. And if um, this topic has resonated and you know someone else who might benefit from hearing it, having a little support, please, please share it. And um, yeah, and click the subscribe button below or the follow on. Uh on the podcast uh, we'd love to have you be a part of our community absolutely thanks for dropping by thanks for being with us today have a good evening bye-bye bye-bye thanks for joining us for this episode of intuition first we're so glad that you chose to spend your time with us today if you know someone who could benefit from this episode please share it with them and tag us on instagram at intuition first We'd love to hear what you enjoyed and what you'd like to hear more of. And until the next time, keep listening to your intuition. It really knows what it's talking about.